episode 75 of Strange Brow Radio. Thanks again for joining me. I'm your host, Tobe Johnson. Thanks for sharing, subscribing, all that good stuff for this show. Every little bit of word helps. All right, today's guest is Kent Burris from Maine. The ghost of Carmel, Maine, to be exact. And if you think you know about shadow people... Well, you don't know Kent's story, and you certainly haven't seen his footage. It's incredible. So, more about Kent in a second. First, Etsy. Feral by Aaron, E-R-Y-N, at Etsy.com. Alchemy sound devices. Smudge fans. Drums. Rattles. And now hagstones. These are really interesting stones that you just can't pick up anywhere. you got to seek them out. And there's a new batch coming very soon. Check out the Etsy shop. That's only at Etsy. Feral by Aaron, E-R-Y-N, Feral by Aaron at Etsy. All right, next up, Kent Burris and the Shadow Man. Okie dokie. So we're back again. Kent Burris in a moment, but first, thank you to everybody who has signed up at the YouTube channel or the Patreon page. Again, that is patreon.com forward slash Radio, And it is there you can find a great many things, including, well, extra podcast and extra out-and-about videos, including upcoming extra strange stroll videos, but those will be also on YouTube as well. And that brings us to the Al Moon Lab, a shared paranormal experiment, which is also available. You can get a free sample at strangebrowradio.com. And then for three bucks, you can download the entire saga. And thanks for everybody who has done that. And give me some feedback. Let me know what you think of it. You can do that either A, at my Facebook page under Tobe Johnson or Strange Brow strangebrowradio.com strangebrowradio at Facebook there's also an Instagram I don't really toy around with Twitter maybe I should I just hate the word (laughs) I hate to say I'm going on Twitter but I don't know what am I going to say Instagram's any better but the the book is available again at patreon.com forward slash strangebrowradio and now you can download it so When I first released it, you could listen to it live from SoundCloud, or not live, pre-recorded at SoundCloud. But um, I got some good feedback on how to click a right button. It's just a click away on SoundCloud. And according to the sources, you can download it and take the audiobook with you if you like. And I hope you do. And that is my plug for the audiobook upcoming this week weather permitting due to sensitivity of new camera equipment will be my first strange stroll so a 30 minute choose your tobe adventure and places have been voted on and these are the well one establishment well, not an establishment a location is where I will be going and how nice that quarantine is starting to relax a little bit around here so, Hidden Hill Cemetery or the Sorceress Hollow. 
I need to see where the voting stands. I think Hidden Hill is more than slightly ahead. Thanks a lot. <laughs> so this is just a, a small sample here. Now the voting system was based upon a QR code which you could scan with your phone and still can. Or you could go on Facebook and, and vote that way. But the polling on Facebook was horrible. For some reason, I cannot get a poll to activate on Facebook. I've, I know I've done it before, but for whatever reason, the choice is not there. And I, I've been through the rigmarole on how to locate it. It's not there. Uh, so i got to figure that out. Or maybe I'll have Alex help me uh, establish one via his, and then I'll link it. Anyway, one extra step is often one extra step too many for people online. And so I think there was too many extra steps involved with voting. But the votes are in. You can still vote. You can go right on into strangebrowradio.com or go to Strangebrow Radio on Facebook or Tobe Johnson and vote. And basically, I'm going to be rolling uh, 4K footage with my uh, handy-dandy new Canon M50. And good lighting, good sound. And we'll be rolling for at least 30 minutes straight. No editing, no cuts going at oh dark 30 going to try to go in at three in the morning and uh go into uh one of these two locations and then it'll go up on youtube and um, what will unfold will unfold now there were some other things people could vote on while they're there it didn't really work out because of the whole facebook snafu but the location is what matters so that's coming up stay tuned at strange brow radio on youtube the ghost of carmel maine our guest today homeowner kent burris lives inside, well, a haunted house and rolls footage quite often with nothing more than his camera phone and the stuff that he's garnering, well, blows away any other footage I've seen out there, especially when it comes to the shadow man. So let's get to it. My talk with Kent Burris. All right. With me now is Kent Burris, ghost of Carmel, Maine. Hello, Kent. Hello. How are you doing? Good. All right, Kent, I've been dying to talk to you. Uh, me and my, my girlfriend, Erin, are, uh, well, I hate to use the word fans, but we're big fans of your YouTube channel. And I urge everybody to stop what they're doing now. In fact, stop the podcast and go check out uh, Kent's amazing YouTube channel, The Ghost of Carmel, Maine, where his subscriber numbers are no small affair, no small accomplishment, and only after two years. And there's a reason behind that, Kent, because as far as I'm concerned, you're the man. You've got some of the most incredible footage of shadow people. And uh, I just want to I want to get into the evidence that you have here, of course, and go into detail about what you've been able to film. But the fact is, is that there's a story behind this. So tell people, let's just start from the beginning when you moved in and when things started going south for you. OK, well. We moved up to Carmel from Florida, and my wife is from Maine, and her parents moved back here, and um, our youngest daughter moved here, and my wife and my oldest daughter and one of my sons and another family member, we all moved up here in Maine in 2012, and we stayed in a camper over out on Fuller Road for two years, saving up money. Uh, my wife and I stayed in the camper. And 
you know, that two years we were so busy working, you know, it's, it was, you know, wasn't no big deal staying in that camper. But after the second winter time, I'm like, I'm not doing that again. Take a pass on that. So my wife worked at a convenience store here in Carmel and there's a house that came up for rent next door to the convenience store. And my wife asked me if, um, you know, if I was interested in, if we should rent it. And I said, well, let me take a look at it. So I drove by and looked at it. And I'm like, wow, that's an old house. So I said, yeah, let's do it. So we moved into the house. And when we moved into this house, we didn't have any belongings with us, obviously, because we were staying in a camper. We gave everything we had to our other two sons in Florida when we left. So we we're kind of like starting all over. So, uh, you know, we started going to yard sales, thrift stores, and um, we knew somebody that my wife worked with who owns the store at the time. Her brother passed away, and she had a house full of different items, and she said, you know, you can come in here and pick out anything you want. So, you know, we went over there and picked out a bunch of items, um, a lot of furniture, and we were really appreciative of that. So we got the bedroom all set up and the bed came from the estate that's in our bedroom and we got all the furniture set up and we were tired the day we were moving in and the next day I had to go to work. Uh, at that time I was a manager of a restaurant and I was in the bedroom getting dressed and there was this little knickknack horse sitting on top of the dresser and it flew off the dresser and landed right in the middle of the bed. And I stood there looking at like, I was like, whoa, how did that do that? You know, I mean, that's strange. So I put the horse back on the dresser. I'm thinking, well, this house is old. Maybe the floor rafters are bending down. It was causing the dresser to shake or something. Something had to cause that to fly off the dresser and land on the bed. So I put it back there and I'm jumping up and down, moving around. That thing wasn't even budging. And I got dressed and I went downstairs and told my wife, I said, wow, you know what happened? I was upstairs getting dressed and that little knickknack horse flew off the dresser and landed right on the bed. And she just started laughing and I just blew it off. You know, just had to be some logical explanation because uh, don't get me wrong, I believe in the spirit realms. I believe spirits existed, but they were either demonic, angelic, or otherwise, but not humanoid spirits. I did not believe in ghosts. I did not believe in the paranormal. Um, you know, in my mind, that was all hogwash. And so when that happened, of course, I'm going to come up with a logical explanation. So while we're in this house, uh, for the next two years, there's just all kinds of strange events. Everything from, I'd hear voices, you know, walking through the house, whispers. It, it constantly felt like I was being touched. Um, strange sensations, uh, quick, uh, like cold temperature changes. And my son even told me that one night they, when he woke up in bed, there was a, a dark apparition that looked like a shadow standing right at the foot of his bed. And, you know, I said, Joshua, you were just dreaming. 
you know, because I've always had a logical explanation for everything. And he said, no, dad, ask Gary, because I jumped over on his bed and he woke up and he saw it standing there too. And I asked Gary about it and I thought, well, you know, that's kind of weird, you know, because I started thinking, you know what, there is some strange stuff going on in this house. And I started thinking, well, I wonder if, you know, something happened here, if there's some kind of demonic spirit or something. But, you know, once again, I just write it off because I just, my mind wasn't into investigating stuff like this. It wasn't, you know, it wasn't a desire of mine to investigate into the paranormal. It, it just wasn't there. And one night, um, July, in the month of July of 2014, I heard walking coming up the steps. And, you know, I'm facing my wife, and in bed, she sleeps closer to the blood stain. I don't sleep on that side. Anyway, <laughs> are you there? Yeah, no, I'm just listening. Oh, okay. I, I had no idea that you were staying in this room. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. So, you know, I hear these footsteps coming up the steps, and I'm thinking, Jesus, somebody break into the house. Is my son coming up the steps? Or is, my, is somebody here? What's going on? And I hear movement at the door, and I'm just kind of waiting. Okay, somebody's coming through the door. Well, the door never opened. Then I heard footsteps coming across my floor in the bedroom, getting closer and closer to my bed. And then I heard this really soft female voice that said, help me. Well, I turn around and looked. And my first reaction was, okay, my wife said that in her sleep. She's talking in her sleep. It sounded like it came from behind me. So my eyes are huge. And I'm laying down and back in bed, put my head down and just staring at the back of my wife's head. And then I feel this tapping on my hip. And then I hear the voice again said, help me, Kent. This time she said my name. Well, I sat up in bed real fast. I'm like, all right, you know what? There's something going on in this house. That was the straw that broke the camel's back because I knew right then that this there was no explanation for that. No, and this, I mean, there's a backstory here too with the house as it relates to itself and the previous owners dating back to the turn of the century. Tell us what you know about the previous owners. Well, uh, Edmund Lamb, um, he was he was actually born in Carmel and you know uh, around the 1860s and he went into Bangor for a while to learn about learn the undertaking business and he moved back to Carmel and he put this house together around the late 1890s and he was the undertaker of Carmel now originally back in those days the undertaker would just bring the casket to the home or to the facility where the person passed away. They would put him in the casket for a three-day wake. After the three days, Edmund would take him out and bury them. And that's what he did. He took care of, you know, the dead, you know, preparing them for burial and then bury them. Well, obviously, there came a period of time when laws were changing. And, you know, 
bodies for that three-day wake or had to be prepared outside of people's homes. So Edmund Lamb put this house together. And based on what I've concluded on all the records and investigations that I've gone through, the house opened up as a funeral home in 1906. Before it was the funeral home, he built the caskets out in the garage and he used the front section of the house and a midsection to store the caskets. Um, but he, yeah, he built the caskets out in the garage. And then when he was going to turn this into the funeral home, he built on another addition. And that's the room where he prepared the bodies for burial. And more than likely, I mean, I'm just guesstimating this, the dining room that is the dining room today was more than likely a viewing room in the front section, which is now the living room was probably a waiting room, little service room, I don't know. But of course they had the church building right behind the house here where they would take the caskets and hold service too. So yes, he put the funeral home together in 1906 and he sold the funeral business, the undertaking business out in 1919 to uh, Mr. Harvey. He bought him out and then Edmund Lamb got out of it. But I didn't know for the longest time when this paranormal activity um, was getting stronger and more powerful, the more I investigated, the stronger it got. I did not know this was a funeral home. I knew Edmund Lamb was a caretaker, and that's what I was told. Well, you know, I'm thinking in my mind, caretaker, he, you know, took care of the grounds at the cemetery. You know, that's what I'm picturing, but I was never told he was actually the undertaker. And uh, the lady, the, the man that owns the house, his wife, one day, you know, I was talking to her about this paranormal activity. And she goes, well, you know, that was the morgue. I'm like, what? She goes, that was the morgue in Carmel. I'm like, what do you mean morgue? And she goes, it was the funeral home. And like, I'm like, it was? So that's when I first found out it was a funeral home. And that was months and months and months after I started this investigation. So I had to do research on that and verify this was the funeral home, you know, because I assumed Edmund Lamb lived in this house, but then I found out he owned another piece of property, a home here in Carmel. That's the house he lived in. And this was his place of business. And then he had another place of business behind this house where he had, he was a shoe cobbler and um, did horse buggy repairs, sold horse harnesses. And uh, so he's kind of a jack of all trades. Um, so yeah, that's where the history starts with this house and there's a really, really good possibility and I haven't got a hundred percent confirmation on it yet, but you know, we're still looking into this, but we believe the front section of this house used to be a two room schoolhouse over on Irish road and Edmund purchased property from the school district and more than likely move this from Irish Road to right where it sits today. Um, and that makes sense. We did measure the foundation where this front section came from. And, you know, the foundation's the exact same size as the house. Um, so, you know, it's more than likely it was a schoolhouse. And that's kind of important because over on Irish Road, a lot of activity took place takes place down on Irish Road, and it seems like there's a lot of ties between this house and Irish Road. It's kind of strange. And looking back into uh, 
Edmund's life? Were you able to uncover anything about him that was less than honorable? I mean, was he into some weird stuff besides being an undertaker? Not saying that's specifically weird, but it uh, you know calls for a certain type of attitude in order to do it. Well, this is this is the thing. Doing these investigations, these spirits keep saying Edmund's a killer. These spirits keep saying Edmund murdered Rachel. Now, Rachel was actually the female spirit that tapped on my hip that, hip that night and said, help me, Kent. So these spirits accuse Edmund of this. And when I've done these investigations, I've asked Edmund, and I called him out by name, Edmund Lamb, did you murder anybody? And he answered back, yes, I did. So the, the thing is, and this is where this, you know, this is really important. I can't come out and say without a doubt, Edmund Lamb was a killer. I have no way of proving that except based on what these spirits say. So when these spirits say something, I have to investigate it. However, while doing these investigations, they told me, the female's name was, I mean, you know, Rachel, of course, she told me her name and these other spirits said her name was Rachel. Multiple times they confirmed Edmund killed Rachel. He shot her. Um, I mean, it, it's just, well, why are these spirits saying this? So eventually in the investigation, I found out that um, I was doing another investigation outside of Rachel, of Naomi Mitchell, who was murdered in 1912. And Naomi Mitchell's body was actually brought to this house when they found her body in the woods. And the medical examiner came in from Bangor and did the autopsy on Naomi right in this house. So, and that was on the corner of Irish and Fuller Road. So, you know, there we got ties to Irish Road again. Well, later on in my investigations, months later after I did the Naomi Mitchell investigation, you know, these spirits said that Rachel's last name was Mitchell. And I like, wait a minute, Mitchell. And then I asked, you know, during the investigation, is Rachel related to Naomi Mitchell? And they said sisters. And I'm thinking, whoa. And so I get confirmation. I said, Rachel, is Naomi your sister? She said, yes. I asked Naomi, is Rachel your sister? She says, yes. So then I go online to do some research and I needed to find out if there was a Rachel Mitchell. And sure enough, uh, Naomi did have a sister named Rachel. Now there's a conflict when she was actually born. The records I found says she was born in 1892, but yet there's other records says she was born in 1912. But I think the records are confused. I mean, they're so mixed up, but I've got more con confirmation. Rachel was actually born in 1892 and Naomi Mitchell's best friend, of course, she died years and years ago. Naomi Mitchell's best friend that lived next door to Naomi, uh, her name was Edith, and Edith's grandson is alive today. And I asked them, I said, well, do you know anything about the, the Mitchells, any history about them? You know, I know, you know, he said, well, yes, Naomi was murdered. I go, well, did, they, did she have a sister named Rachel that was murdered too? And he said, I don't know her name. He goes, but the story goes, from what I understand, her sister, she had a sister that got pregnant out of wedlock. And 
She was humiliated because back in those days, I mean, that just didn't happen. So she was humiliated and pretty much blackballed from the family and basically, you know, um, condemned for it. And he said that she ended up committing suicide while she was pregnant. And I said, but you don't know her name. He goes, no, I can't remember her name. Well, I did a research and the only sister that died that never lived to see an old age was Rachel. And then there was another baby that died at birth. And so there's only one possibility and that was Rachel. Well, I had another descendant, I started getting a hold of descendants to the Mitchell family. And so we started piecing this together. And one of the descendants said, based on their records and based what was passed down by word of mouth and documented in their genealogy research, that there was, in fact, a Rachel Mitchell that died in the village of Carmel. Well, the village of Carmel is where this house sits. And we also found uh, records that date back to 2000, 2001, where one of the descendants was writing on a blog that she thought maybe Rachel Mitchell was murdered. And so pieces of the puzzle started coming together. So based on what these spirits say, what they were telling me seems to be the truth. There was a Rachel Mitchell. Rachel Mitchell did end up dead, obviously, based on what I've pieced together. <clears throat> Excuse me. So now the next question is, are these spirits telling the truth about Edmund Lamb? Until I can somehow find solid physical evidence that Edmund Lamb did in fact murder Rachel, I can't come right out and say, yes, Edmund Lamb was a murderer. I don't want to do that without solid proof because I don't want to tarnish a man's name, but these spirits are adamant. And based on my investigations, many, many, multiple times confirmation that Edmund killed Rachel. So where do you go with that? I mean, what do you do? I, you just kind of sit back and wait. Well, you know, time will tell. Eventually something will happen. Now, I did find bone fragments under the house, and there were three bone fragments, and Rachel and all these spirits said she was buried in the basement. I don't know if they're calling under the house the basement. You know, it's you've got to go through the basement to get to the section where they claim she was buried. And... They kept saying that where she was at. Well, one time I crawled under the house, had the spirit box going, and I got right under the section where I thought there was a possibility where she might be under the kitchen floor. And uh, Rachel's voice came through the spirit box and said, you found me. Well, in that spot, weeks and weeks later, I started digging. I didn't find nothing. So I started raking the dirt back into the hole. And when I was raking, raking the dirt back, I found... Uh, bone fragments that was embedded in what looked like um, leather, very thin leather with a piece of um, clothing article literally embedded into the what looked like leather. And I carefully put that into a box and I took pictures of it and I sent it out. And there's a, a nurse that works for an orthopedic that was also on the Ghost of Carmel Main group page, looked over the pictures, and she said those are two fragments to a human foot bone. Those are foot bones to, to a human. And she said those are definitely human. 
And I sent it out to a picture to somebody else that uh, to ask them if they knew if this is human, if it is, what parts, um, you know, a bone structure would these be? And they, he said the same thing. It's a human foot. So I'm like, okay, well, that's very interesting. I need to find the rest of her. So I made a phone call to state police and I talked to them about it. And that's where I hit a brick wall. They said, well, how old does it look? And I said, well, wait, definitely over 100 years old. And then they said, well, this is the thing. In Carmel and all around the state of Maine and New England states, back in the day, a lot of people were buried on their properties. And he said, you probably came across an old burial of, of somebody's remains, and you need to leave, not mess with it. Just leave it alone. Don't touch it. He goes, because that's not uncommon in the state of Maine where somebody will find old bone fragments. He said, if these were fresh bones, you know, more than likely we'd do an investigation on it. But he said, no, nah. he goes, it's more than likely old human remains. Just don't touch it. So, well, and also if I, you know, mess with it, you know, that can end up turning into a criminal charge. So I had to back off of that. I'm not allowed to do anything with it which is aggravating because I know there's more human remains down there, but I don't want to get in trouble either and go down there and dig and looking for human remains. And I find it and well, we thought we told you to leave this alone, you know, that wouldn't turn out very well. Right. But you still must be curious to the point where you're willing to, you know, argue with yourself over those points. I mean, the fact is you may have, the body of somebody under your house right well what i'm going to do hold on a second what i'm going to do is i'm kind of losing reception here i'm going to step out on the porch if it gets too noisy i'm going to step back in okay it's sometimes the energy level in this house it goes up and like you know i'm I don't know what it sounds like in your end, but it was getting staticky on my end. No, it sounds good here, and I'll explain while you're walking out. Uh, Kent is actually inside the house that he's talking about, and in fact, he's just now leaving one of the epicenters. Would you definitely call your bedroom one of the epicenters of the house? Oh, definitely, definitely. That is the heart of the paranormal activity of the house. And it's in a really interesting, specific spot. I mean, you pan to an area to the left side of your bed in the corner by the window. That seems to be one of the hot spots. It is, and there's a lot of movement over there at night, a lot of voice, disembodied voices that happen in the night over there. Um, it's pretty strange. There's, you constantly see movement out of the corner of your eye, and you look really fast, and, and there's, I've captured apparitions there, I've captured strange things that I don't even know what the heck they are. I kind of have a feeling they're what you call imps. Um, I don't know what else they could be. I mean, I'm not a big, huge professional, you know, knowing what spirits are which, but I've concluded those were imps, and there's a good possibility that shadow apparition, um, that's been in that bedroom was more than likely blocking them from coming in. I can only assume, and that's just an assumption. But in and, and fact, you know, let me back up on that, that apparitions that's in that bedroom that was on the bed. I don't believe that was a shadow apparition. I think that was an actual apparition. Now shadow apparition is really, really dark and you can't make any features out. It's like a, a void 
a two-dimension void of pure darkness um, is what a shadow apparition looks like. But a regular apparition looks, looks more of a grayish color. And when I captured these apparitions, in real time, they were a grayish color. They weren't black. But when you capture them on camera, they look kind of black. Yeah. Uh, let's get into some of these apparitions that you've managed to catch. Because, uh, I mean, the fact is, is that you're sleeping in this bedroom, uh, you know, in one of the most, I guess you would call them tenuous states of existence is sleep. And here you are, uh, in not only in the house, but in your most relaxed state with shadow beings and just regular apparitions. But to explain what you captured i i just want to bring this point home what we're going to be talking about next i've never seen anybody capture what kent was able to capture so you're able to and this may go back down to edmund again but the footage that you caught of a shadow being that is trapped behind the curtain or behind the curtain that suddenly wisp out from underneath the curtain down into what we presume is a blood stain on the hardwood floor yeah. is one of the most, uh, I mean, you would have to be a wizard of special effects to the point where you uh, would be working for Peter Jackson or, <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's, yeah. an, it's incredible footage. So talk to me about that moment when you caught this being or spirit form. Well, first of all, keep in mind, I, I didn't know anything about the paranormal. I was never big into the paranormal. When I was capturing this stuff, I assumed every paranormal investigator captures this stuff. You know, I, I'm not, I was never big into ghost adventures. I've never watched paranormal type shows. So I didn't realize that this was possibly abnormal. You know, I just assumed, well, what I'm seeing and what I'm capturing here, every, you know, this is what paranormal is all about. Well, after doing a lot of research, I mean, I've seen people claim they've captured apparitions. And then I've seen stuff that they say they're apparitions. And I'm thinking, uh, that's not an apparition. I don't know what they're showing there, but that's not, that's not an apparition. I know exactly what they look like. They don't look like that. And, you know, I'm so other words, there's people that show stuff that's kind of not real. I don't want to call anybody fake or anything like that. That's not what I'm saying. I'm just, you know, I had to learn what apparitions were. Well, when I first saw the very first apparition in that window, I kind of blamed myself for that because I reached a dry spell here at the house. I wasn't capturing anything. You know, it, it, it's like everything just quit. And there's a couple of reasons why we can get into that later. But I was aggravated because I'm like, well, you know, is this real? You know, I know it's real, but how real is this? I mean, you know, I, I hear these voices, I get touched, I hear things, but you know, I never see anything. So I was running through the house with the camera going, are you guys real? I mean, are you guys really real? Are you real spirits? You know, are you something else? And I was aggravated when I was walking up the stairs and walked in the room. That's when I saw the very first apparition in the window. And that's when I backed up and yelled the F word because it literally startled me i mean i that was just my only reaction was get the hell out of there and and what's strange about that it's it's like a two dimension go ahead oh no i mean it's i i'm you know i've recently watched it again 
it's such an incredible moment. And it, the form has a thickness to it and a weight to it. It is not just a shadow. There is a, there's right. something there physical that is dark and scary as hell. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, you know, a lot of people say, oh, that's fake. Well, you know what? There's other people that came to the house and seen him. In fact, Kevin, who used to live in this house, that's the reason why he left was because of the shadow apparitions. His brother stayed in this house three days visiting with him. He left. He said, I'm not staying in that house. And I learned this much later after I started these investigations and saw these apparitions. Um, but, but other Kent, people have seen Hold on a second, Kent. You can tell as a guy that speaks to people for a living that you're not a bullshit artist. Everything that's coming no. out of your mouth is authentic. And when people watch the ghost of Carmel, Maine, it'll be no different for them. You're just merely rolling through the house with your cell phone. Yeah. Yep. No special equipment, just my cell phone. That's all I had back at the time was my cell phone and a cheap little $69 digital camera. And I still use both of those today, but. Well, yeah, look, but, what, you're yeah, willing, yeah, look what you're able to catch. Yeah. You know, I've captured, you know, I can't tell you how many apparitions I've encountered. And sometimes I blame myself thinking it was my fault by challenging them, doubting them. Um, I, I came to the conclusion these spirits really wanted somebody to talk to. And it seems like for many years they're trying to get somebody's attention and people would run. And I think, in my opinion, by doubting them and saying what I said, I don't know if that opened up some doorway, and that's when the apparition started showing up, you know, as far as more often. I know I've seen them before out of the corner of my eye, but i never seen them straight on. And there's times I did see one. It startled me because it was so fast, but I didn't know if I actually saw that because I wasn't recording at the time. Well, when I came through that door and that thing was in the window, that arm was flapping up and down really fast. And it looked like there's a child hanging out the front of them. And do you know what it feels like to, if some, if you have a blanket that has a lot of static on it and you yeah. put it up to your face and you can yeah. feel your hair sticking out? My whole body felt that way when I saw that. <laughs> so, so does the audience watching it, by the way, man. <laughs> yeah, no, and it wasn't psychological. There was some type of energy force that was literally like like pulling on my skin lightly, and 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 it's like you can feel this like it's hard to explain, like this energy coming out of your eyeballs, and. Uh, you know, I've seen stuff that scared the crap out of me before that had nothing to do with the paranormal. I never felt like that before. Um, you know, I've been in some bad situations where you get all of a sudden this, this pure fright. You know, for instance, like, you know, I'm going 100 miles an hour and then my wheel flies off the car and I'm skidding down the interstate on the backing plate. Yeah, I mean, you're scared to death. You think you're dead. I mean, I was a dumb kid when that happened. You know, but I never felt that way. You know, and I had a lot of fright thinking I was going to crash the car and I was going to end up dead. But when you see these apparitions, it's the same every time you you feel something with it. That's not normal. And when you're when I came around the doorway and there's one standing right in front of me, I should have known better because when I was coming around that doorway, when I was on the top of the steps, I had that feeling. 
and I, I, I felt the static all around me. I felt like there's some type of magnetic pull on me. And when I came around that corner and that thing was, we were standing there face to face, um, you know, I felt my spirit run and leave my body behind basically, you know, that's how scared I was. I mean, that, right. that was probably the most frightening encounter I've ever had, you know, because usually they're a few feet away, maybe, a, you know, quite a, you know, a few hundred feet away, but this was like maybe four feet right in front of me. And, you know, I saw its face. You can't tell on the camera, but I saw its face and that, face did not look normal it's like it had no lips and it had pure teeth i mean all kinds of teeth its eyeballs look like they're decayed um you know like there there is no there is kind of a grayish to to his eyes but it had whites like a blind person you know in what should be color it just it had no hair and when you you know your your brain automatically takes a snapshot of that immediately and your your first instinct what you see and what you feel run that's your first instinct you need to get out of here because that thing does not belong here in our realm it does not belong there standing in front of me no there's people that say well why don't you chase it down with the camera you know why don't you just stand there and hold the shot on it it's like okay come to this house, bring your camera and wait and wait and wait and wait. Hopefully an apparition will appear in front of you. And let's just see if you'll stand there with the camera on it. I highly doubt it. So let me ask you this, Ken, is it mostly um, boring there? And then with moments where it erupts into madness, is it mostly just a boring house other than <clears throat> where you have these eruptions of supernatural visitations? There's activity in here all the time. And you reach a point that you get so used to it. It's like, you know, the cat meowing, but you didn't hear it because you shut it out because you're so used to hearing it. But then there are times that it's, if you don't give them the attention they want, they'll do something and get your attention. But for the most part, the activity is constant. It never goes away. It might be mild. There might be moments where, you know, something's moving in the house, something crashes, you hear a door close, you hear a voice. But when I'm working on the Ghost of Karma main videos, and that takes me a while to put these videos together, and my back's turned into the bed, and then the bed starts making noises, it starts popping, I hear footsteps, I hear the whispers, and I turn around and look, and I said, look, I'll be doing an investigation soon. I got to finish up this video, you know, and I just let him know I'm kind of busy. You know, I know that sounds strange. And if it was anybody else telling me a story like this and I didn't know any better, I'd say they need to get some psychiatric help, you know, seriously. But, you know, <laughs> this stuff is real because I've captured it on camera and I know they're there. I, mean, I, you know, they've, you know, I know it's real. I know they're there, and just like right now, something's pulling on my headphones, trying to pull, take it off my head. You know. Okay, okay, wait now, hold on. At this moment, something's happening. Describe it. Yeah, well, I was sitting here. I'm sitting here, and something's pulling back on my headphones. I'm wearing headphones, and it's pulling back on it. So, is it trying to take them off your ears, and like pulling on the the suction cup part? You probably want to take it off so I can hear them. Okay. Oh, and so that's that another thing. Yeah. 
that's another thing. These spirits are intelligent. They know who I'm talking with on the phone. They know all my kids' names. They haven't met all my kids, but yet they know them by name. When I get off the phone with with one of my with a family member and jump back into the paranormal investigation, they'll say their name. Okay, that's happened uh, multiple times. Now, has your, your family member had things follow them home from your house to their house? No. Nope. Nothing like that. Okay. Nope. So they may nope, I... your, they want your attention. They're focused in on Kent. I personally believe the whole village of Carmel has paranormal activity. I've been through the whole village of Carmel area, but I do believe this house within this triangle that's in the village is the epic center of all the paranormal activity if that makes any sense. This is ground zero of where the, 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 the paranormal activity occurs. It stretches out through the town of Carmel. And actually the paranormal activity is pretty strong in the whole state of Maine. You know, it's unlike other places where, you know, they might capture a couple things, but every place I've been to Maine, I have captured paranormal activity of, you know, places that are, are known to be haunted. And people have told stories about the places. I go in there and I do capture paranormal activity. It may not be as strong as the Lamb House. Um, it may, you know, take hours of investigations before you get a few captures, but it's there. But the Lamb House, I can hit record and within five minutes, I'll capture an EVP or something happens. Okay. Now, earlier on, you said you think these things, did you say imps? Yes. Okay. Describe what that is. Some of them. Some of them. There's um, a demonic entity that's anywhere between two to three foot tall. And they are considered to be obnoxious type entities. Um, you know, and, and some, I don't know where they got the name. Anyway, they're called imps. You know, um, in my book, they're just evil spirits, demonic, period. I mean, a demonic's demonic. Um, you know, but they're small type apparitions. And there are a number of apparitions that show up here that's about three foot tall. They don't say anything. You know, you never captured their disembodied voice. They're just there. And I've had stuff that's come up missing in the house. I've heard noises that has scared my grandson in this house. Um, you know, and I, they're, they're supposed to be obnoxious type spirits. The thing is, I don't know enough about them to talk about them because I actually don't investigate them. I don't talk to them. And I'm not about to. I'm not about to give them any attention. If they show up, they show up, but I don't acknowledge them and I ignore them. And I have to be really careful on how I do these investigations. And if something negative does come, I'm not going to give it attention because I don't know where that road will end up taking me, if that makes any sense at all. Well, it does and it doesn't because here you have a YouTube channel where you're forced to put out content, new stuff each and every time, hopefully for the, the audience. And you've done just that with, you know, to your credit. But 
is it frustrating being in that catch 22 where you don't want to give attention to the negative, but yet you, you know, you could have some incredible footage to roll on on something like this. Let's put it this way. This Saturday, I'm going to do an investigation where there's high probability there's demonic activity. If I am, I am going to confront that there and I'm going to deal with it, I'm going to record it. And there's, you know, a young woman got a hold of me. She knew nothing about Ghosts of Carmel, Maine, but somebody told her about me. And she showed me some videotape, and her two-year-old was in the tub, and you can hear the slap noise, and he said, stop it, that hurts. And there's something going on in that house. I will confront it then. I will deal with it. I will record it. And I will demand that it identifies itself. And I, I will do what I have to do. But in this house, I have to live here. All right. And I have to be really careful because we also have family members in this house, my grandson in this house. And I, I cannot give, if there's any type of uh, demonic entity that happens to pass through here or show up, I need to back off from it because the moment you start giving them things attention, the, mo the moment you start investigating them, you're opening up doors into some dark stuff there. Um, and, you know, I've did some studies on some, you know, paranormal investigators that they decided to go dark and investigate demonic activity. And a lot of them ended up pretty much losing their minds. I mean, a lot of them ended up claiming they got possessed, attacked, you know, all kinds of different stuff happens to them. Those are entities just not to be messed with. And I will deal with them outside of this house. I will confront them. But inside this house is a whole different story. I put my foot down and demand that they leave. Now, Kent, when did you start investigating other residents? Well, the Carmel Maine Historical Society, um, they pretty much uh, heard about all the stuff I was going through. They were watching some of the evidence, and they said that um, the building with the Historical Society there is, is haunted. And they asked me if I could do an investigation there. I said, no problem. And I did the investigation. It turned out, yes, it has activity there. Uh, very interesting activity, nothing dark. Um, you know, it's a number of spirits. And what was interesting about that place is there's a number of spirits that mentioned their names. And those are names of people that did exist back in the late 1800s. You know, I got confirmation on that. I'm like, wow, that's interesting. That's when I first started doing an investigation outside the house. And then other people come up to me and say, well, this place has activity or that place activity. You need to check out Irish Road. Um, you know, the word started getting out. I was going out doing investigations to verify haunting. Now, that's what I do. I'm not here to give people a big YouTube show. Um, if you notice on my YouTube channel, I don't ask for subscribers. I don't ask people to hit the like button. You know, I don't, it's not monetized. I do these investigations to study this activity and I'm trying to do research to explain what's going on in a haunting, what's going on in the spirit realms. And I've learned a lot over the last three years. And I do these investigations and I put them together in a video form and let other people view it. 
let them see what I've encountered and let them decide, you know, if they've learned something from it. Great. A lot of people have told me they learned something from it. Even a lot of paranormal investigators started changing the way they've done investigations based on my studies, such as what not to say to a spirit. I mean, we can't treat spirits like they're circus animals, you know, do this, do that, knock, you know, play with this ball. I mean, constantly trying to get them to do tricks that angers them. Okay, I so, found that out the hard way. <laughs> you know, that's why I was getting called the F word nonstop. Oh yeah, and they're not—they're uh, not afraid to use the F bomb in the videos. Oh there. no, no, no! Any way they can get the F word out, show me they're angry at me. They will. Whether it's you know disembodied voice, the captured EVP on my phone through the spirit box, through a radio while I'm watching TV at night, and now through the obelisk, and. Yeah, my, my last investigation, I used the obelisk, and my mouth dropped uh, how those spirits manipulated that device. What about electronic, um, I don't want to call them EVPs, but uh, we'll call them electronic apports. Have you ever found any sort of strange videos or audio on your phone that shouldn't belong there, almost like something imprinted something into your portfolio? No, okay. never anything like that. But my wife did set her cell phone down one time in the kitchen and I was walking up to put something in the sink and her back was turned to her cell phone and she was making clicking sounds as she turned around and looked and the phone was on me and it was taking pictures of me. And my wife picks up the phone, look at this. And it was just kept clicking. And then when she showed it to me, it suddenly stopped. Now, that was strange. How has this affected your marriage? Well, first of all, <laughs> you know what? <laughs> when you know there's spirits constantly looking at you and they're constantly there, you can only imagine. I mean, sure. you, you just use your imagination on that. I mean, right, you right. can't even take a shower without, like, wanting to take a shower with your um swimming trunks on but when you're married as long as we've been married um you know it's you know intimacy when you get older is not a big part of your marriage and you know it's probably a point zero zero one percent of your marriage when you get older so basically you know, it hasn't affected our marriage in any way. Um, I think my wife was angry at me at first when I started doing these investigations. And she felt like it's something I shouldn't have been messing with or getting involved in because her opinion was the same as my opinion in the beginning of this, that anything that is claimed paranormal is demonic. And she was afraid I was getting involved with demonic spirits and, um, you know, but after I talked to her about it and showed her the evidence, and this was based on their biblical beliefs, you know, and I also pointed her out scriptures in the Bible that ghosts did exist. I mean, they did. And I showed her, you know, that, you know, when Jesus died, the graves opened up and the dead came out walking. I said something changed in the spirit realms when Jesus died. And I don't mention that in my videos. I don't talk much about that because... You know, this isn't about converting people to Christianity. 
um, you know, I back off and let people believe what they want to believe in, you know, that's up to them. But, you know, behind the scenes, I have to show people that, and I've had a lot of people that contact me and said, you know, this is all demonic. And I said, well, I understand what you're saying. I believe the same way you believe, but let me tell you something. And I have to pull it out and explain to them what's going on. And by the time I'm done explaining it, they understand. And that's thanks to these investigations. These spirits have said things that open up my eyes to an understanding. And it goes according to what the Bible says. And the Bible confirms this paranormal activity, if that makes any sense. Because they've said things that led me with no doubt these are not demonic spirits. These are humanoid spirits. In fact, some of them might even be, in my opinion, angelic. Okay. Especially when I'm doing an investigation and there's a strange soft voice that warns me, be careful, Kent. Kent, lead. Okay. So have you had a, someone in your house at all to investigate it? Like, a, have you had a cleansing at all by a parishioner or by a priest or someone from a parish or something? Well, um, a lot of viewers said I needed to get somebody in here to burn sage. And they were contacting me and said, well, you need to burn sage. That'll get rid of the negative uh, spirits. And, and I disagreed at that based on this activity. I'm thinking, well, this activity is way too powerful for sage. This is beyond sage. So I gave in and let somebody come in to the house. And they went down to the basement where most of the negative type encounters are at. And all it did was put her sage out repeatedly over and over and over again. She couldn't sage it. And she heard a growl voice and she pretty much got out of the basement. Which kind of made so the power of sage if they're trying to blow it out. No, <laughs> oh, it just went out. I mean, she kept lighting it up and go out again, light it up. She'd pull another stick out and she's sitting there saying, I've never seen anything like this before. She goes, I do this once a week. I do this all the time and this has never happened. I said, well, you, you know, now you're in the lamb house. You know, and I knew this has pretty much happened. Mm -hmm. But, you know, as far as getting a priest, I have very strong beliefs myself. Uh, back when I was younger, I used to be a part of the ministry. And like I said, I've always knew that demonic spirits existed. I, I always knew that, you know, people encountered them. But where my faith lies, anybody has the ability to rebuke them. You don't have to you know, pay, you know, get a priest there or anybody else. If you strongly believe and understand what, what's going on in the spirit realms and, and you know that they are actually powerless against you, they want you to believe that, that they can control you and they want you to believe that, that they're powerful. And that's the way they want people to think of them. But actually they're not. They were defeated. You know, the, they were, they're powerless and the only way that they can be given power is somebody giving them that power and by acknowledging them by through fear, um, people that don't want to have to confront it or deal with it, you know, and they're afraid of it or somebody that um, provokes them is another big no, no provoking a spirit. Uh, they're going to end up getting attacked. Okay, let's talk about the shadow spirit when it's when you walk into your bedroom and you see a shadow spirit sitting 
I believe, on its knees on your bed, correct? Uh, which one? Which incident are you talking about? Well, uh, it has it done it more than once where it's sitting on your bed? Oh, yeah. Yeah, okay. So yeah. The, the footage I'm seeing, it's the, the top of your page right now. I think it's clip number one. It's titled, and uh, you're maybe doing a highlight reel, but you walk into your bedroom and you see a full-bodied apparition. Well, it's a, it's a shadow figure sitting on its knees on your bed facing you. And then, of course, you scream every explicative known to man, which I would have. <laughs> <laughs> Is that yeah. the one where I say the F word and then call out for God? Yeah, multiple times. <laughs> yeah, yeah uh, that's one of those situations. You don't know whether to cuss or pray. Yeah. <laughs> right, right, right. So do you feel like that's the same being as the one in the window? I'm pretty sure it is. Um, but there's another one that was uh, scrunched down on the bed, and it was standing right on top of that that stain on the floor. That was in um, Friday Night Frights, or Friday Night, uh, whatever that name of that um, video is, part one. And that one, along with the one that looked like it jumped out the window, along with the ones that's been out on the front porch, is all in the same. It has the same head, the same features, the same size. And that's the one that I nicknamed Shadow Dude. Now, right, right. the one that was on the bed was looked kind of different. That didn't look exactly like the same type of entity as the one that I, you know, called shadow dude i didn't know what else to call him i mean so i've just named him shadow dude <laughs> right um back in those days you know uh i didn't know anything of you know what do you call this thing i mean it's sitting there on my front porch smiling at me and waving you know and i'm recording it and it wouldn't run off and of course it would back off when i started going up towards it act like it got scared but um but yes there's different entities that I have encountered here in this house. And I've also encountered female entities, um, one out in the garage. It looked like a huge mist of fog. It came through and touched me. And then it formed into a female right in front of my face and then took off real fast, like a rocket, like smoke is taking off really fast. Um, I'm not sure which video that's in. And no, I mean, you've got There's so much content that uh, it'd probably be hard to keep track of it. I mean, you've got a lot yeah. to offer. You know, there's people that's constantly sending me screenshots of stuff that they said you missed. And it's not like I missed it. It's just I didn't point it out. Um, I have learned that in the beginning of this, I showed the apparitions quite a bit. But that stirred up so much controversy with people. I mean, they're saying, oh, there's no way that could be real. And it was just nonstop drama. So I stopped showing a lot of it. I do have a lot of it on files of captures. That's why I came out with Shadow Dude, the encounters of Shadow Dude, because everybody wanted to see stuff that I haven't been showing. So now I showed the, a number of Well, Kent, but the footage of the shadow being flapping behind the curtain, what is that entitled? Uh, I have no idea. I'd have okay. to look. Yeah, I mean, because that, that really is part of your sizzle reel as far as being able to show anybody who wants to see some incredible stuff. That, I mean, you've got some really amazing stuff. We haven't even talked about the full-body apparition of the old man at the window. Is, that, is there any link, you think, between Ed, Edmund Lamb and that individual? 
I think there's it's probably a really good possibility that that's Edmund Lamb. In fact, there's people that have taken screenshots and they see an apparition standing there with a suit on and they look at a picture of Edmund Lamb, they put it side by side and they said, that's Edmund Lamb. And it's stuff that I don't even point out. So I have, I mean, there's no doubt Edmund Lamb's spirits in this house along with his wife, Hattie. And, you know, along with a number of other spirits. And I just heard a disembodied voice. I hope that picked it up where you can hear it. No. Now, what did you hear? It sounded like a female said something. Okay. Now, do they come and interfere with your audio and you can hear them that way? They do. Okay. But I, I heard this with my ears. Even with my headphones on, I heard that. Yeah, I'm, I haven't I haven't heard anything yet, and I've, of course I've been listening as much as I can. Try not to talk, so I can hear your, you know, you speak and hear what's going on in the background. Now, if we're on the t a phone together and we put it on speaker, both of us, and I walk through this house, especially up in the bedroom, you will hear the EVPs. And on my last video I posted, I showed that where I was on the phone with my son, and we were capturing EVPs. He heard them. I heard them. They will use any electronic device to to communicate. They will take advantage of that. Okay. Well, if that's something that you want to try, I don't know if you're capable of doing that on your end. I, I wouldn't be able to put you on speaker myself because we're recording on this end. But if you want to try something out, feel free. Oh yeah. Well, I'd have to call you on your phone, and we'd have to have it on speaker. And okay, gotcha. Um, you know, if you want to put it to a test sometime, we can do that. Okay. <laughs> um. Go ahead. Uh, I forgot what I was going to say. So we're talking about uh, the amazing footage that you got here, including the possibility of the ghosts of Edmund Lamb. Now that footage, uh, when I talk about a full body apparition, uh, close up, full body, head to toe, no bullshit here. I mean, this is either a hologram and you're a billionaire that can afford one. <laughs> yeah. Hired someone from George Lucas's team to do this. It's it's absolutely amazing. This full body apparition, let's say Edward is facing the window, your bedroom, and then he leans forward and wisp away towards the light of the window. I mean, it's incredible. Yeah. And if you look at that closely, there's other two small two foot apparitions there with it. That's something I pointed out in Encounters of Shadow Dude in the Strange Anomalies. That's one of the videos that I put out. Okay. And in that video, I go over a lot of the captures. I don't know if you saw that video yet, but, no. you know, for the longest time, everybody wanted me to put everything in a nutshell when it has to do with the apparitions. That's the video right there. If anybody wants to see any of these captures, uh, it's called Encounters of Shadow Dude in the Strange Anomalies. Okay, so that's what you're talking that's about. That's the title of the YouTube video? Yes. Okay, gotcha. Yep, I gathered all kinds of different captures, and it even shows what I think is Hattie walking in my bedroom. Now, a lot of people say, oh, well, you know, the lights are out all the time. You know, why isn't the light on? Well, I have captured these apparitions with the lights on. You know, they just don't watch all my videos, but I captured the apparition of a female um, walking right past a window and she just disappeared by the lamp just vanished okay so this video is about an hour and three minutes encounters with shadow dude and strange anomalies uh yep 
that has pretty much everything in there. There's a, quite a few stuff I left out of it, but you know, I did put a lot of stuff in it. Yeah, absolutely incredible. But you, okay, so let's talk about entryways. You have a you have a front door and a back door in your house, but it sounds like you have a lot of side doors and possibly a portal up in your bedroom. So yeah, yeah. <laughs> you, you know what? This is what's interesting. The thing is, you know, when I started doing these investigations, like I said, I didn't know nothing about the paranormal. So I go to YouTube channels, I go watching all kinds of different paranormal shows, paranormal investigations. And that's when I learned like, okay, why aren't they capturing what I'm capturing? What's going on here? And I called up a paranormal investigator all freaked out. I'm like, well, is this unusual what I'm capturing here? And she said, yes, it is. I said, because I'm watching all these paranormal shows and I don't see anybody capturing the kind of stuff I'm getting here. And she goes, your place is very powerful. And she goes, not only that, but you live in it. You're there capturing this. And so I'm like, okay, wow. You know, because like I said, I thought everybody captured this type of stuff. But when I watched these shows, it was kind of like, okay, what not to do? You know, um, you know, things of, you know, how not to do an investigation. But after I learned through trial and error and after these spirits communicated with me, it took some time, but I learned in this house, in the garage, each room is like a whole different realm. It's like there's a doorway into a realm that is different, like for the basement, for instance, to, you know, that has a doorway that leads into a dark realm. And whatever's going on down there, there's a doorway there that leads into pure evil. And up in my bedroom, you know, where the most powerful activity occurs, it's more peaceful up here. It's not the same atmosphere as the basement. The garage is a different story. I mean, it's like that's a realm that leads into a, I've heard from a lot of spirits that were alive back in the late 1800s, early 1900s from the garage. And the bathroom has different activity. The witch's window room has different activity. A lot of uh, child voices in the witch's window room. The dining room has a very powerful um, type energy in the dining room. But every single room is different. The porch, the front porch that goes out into the yard, there's a lot of apparitions and a lot of disembodied voices in that area. And the EMF readings are off the charts. You know, so it's like, okay, that's strange because it's like this house has multiple different realms to it. And in each room, it's like there's a doorway that goes into a different realm. You'd have to watch all the videos to understand that what I'm saying, it's strange. And one of the places I did investigation was the attic. Ghosts in the attic is one of the videos. And those spirits asked me not to bother them in the attic. And I closed the attic up and never went up to the attic again. I was done with it. So I respect what they say. But, yeah, that's something that I learned that you're right. I mean, there are doorways here that go into different realms, and each one's unique. Well, the blood stain on the floor, uh, I mean, you can see where the caulking in between and the wood has warped in and around the stain as you zoom in on it. So obviously it's a it's a wet spot with a hard edge. So something, some heavy liquid had been sitting there for a while. 
and so yeah. the shadow being look like it's headed for this blood spot or this do you think that blood stain is a portal i don't know i mean it could be um it could be just whatever was there opened up you know a doorway into something i uh, i honestly don't know why it's there or what happened and i've asked these spirits about it and they don't say nothing about it so i have no idea but i do know as a former paramedic and and i've you know seen many dead bodies that have decayed what happens is is when when somebody starts to um decay if there's blood on the floor or, or human bodily fluids you know there's a lot of acids in that that actually embeds itself it can even bed itself in the concrete and it'll leave a permanent um you know stain even on concrete right have you gone and, over black light at all kent to check it yes out? yes yep i got uh lim limnol and the black light and it, it showed positive for uh iron which is in the blood oh it did is it like a hard sign i mean you can definitely see it oh yeah you can, yeah oh yeah it's definitely there it's in one of my videos mm -hmm. um i don't know which one it is in but yeah i've got luminol and sprayed that down and put the black light on it and it was definitely blue well yeah. and yeah the way that works is the blood may go away but the iron that's deposited embedded into the material iron doesn't go away i mean it's permanent well you bring up a good point too why other investigators may be running short of the kind of footage that you're getting kent and you bring up the fact that you live there now yeah you know i i work with people that are extended experiencers to a degree of working with cryptids or supernatural and there's something to the fact that when you live on the property activity changes it it just becomes more apparent to the people that live there maybe it's for the fact that you have more eyes on the place i tend to think that they open up to the homeowner in a different way than outsiders do you agree with that yes i, I agree with that 100 percent. now no not all these spirits like me at first i mean some of them still don't like me some of them still say they hate me call me the f word cuss me out um you know they're just grouchy they don't like to be bothered and and then there's some that are friendly but these grouchy ones do not like visitors coming into the house and if they if a visitor does come in and they don't like them they will tell them i mean they will they will drop that f-bomb left and right on them call them names tell them to get out i mean it's just really strange it's like these spirits almost like can read somebody know what they're like and do not want them around Oh, are they are they right? <laughs> I mean, are are yes. they? Yes. Are they really? Because yeah, and I don't I don't want to really get into it, but I kind of had ties with a couple people, and they it turned out they were pretty foul people. I mean, they were kind of doing in the paranormal for the wrong reasons. One of them wanted to boost his YouTube channel up, and that's why he wanted to come to the house and do an investigation. He wanted to use the name of Ghost of Carmel, Maine, to hopefully to get a bunch of subscribers <clears throat> excuse me um and that's the reason why he came here but i told him i said if you're going to come to this house you know number one these spirits aren't stupid they know your intentions all right so do not provoke them what does he do he provokes them and they let him have it i mean when 
I was stepping out of the room during the ghost box session and that Mel that is a grouchy spirit literally yelled, get out of here. And I came back through the door really fast and I shut the investigation down. It was over with, you know, I'm so glad, you know what? These spirits don't like you. <laughs> now. Okay. So there's some footage too of the investigators in your house and the whole upstair wing vibrating or shaking is that another sign that they don't like what's going on um which i'm sorry which video was that well i mean periodically it doesn't we don't need to know the exact video but your house shakes yes yeah so yeah, what is that? I mean, yeah this house shakes a lot okay so it's not the road traffic we're hearing that no There's something no. else going on how often does your whole house shake and vibrate no, I mean, it's not very often. Every so often it does. It, you know, it does it a lot late at night. Uh, there's times I've laid in bed and I felt the bed shake and I'd hear a rumble. And I'm like, wow, did we just have an earthquake? And I checked the news the next day, no earthquake. And, and it's something that is a phenomenon. I, I have no explanation for it. But I mean, there's times my wife screamed for me and said that the house is shaking. And I said, well, I didn't feel it. I'm upstairs. And she's downstairs and she's, you know, adamant the house shook. Well, I agree because I've seen it and I've heard it. And there's been two or three times I've captured it on video. One time I was walking in the living room and the, the ceiling above me just shook and I spun around and looked really fast. And another time there was three people downstairs. I was in the witch's window room and that house, the house shook then. Of course, that one of the people that was there saying that was all fake. I made it up, blah, 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 blah. I'm like, whatever. You know, um, you can see in the video, I didn't shake the house. I mean, the camera was on me. It was on the whole situation. There's multiple cameras in the house. And, you know, the person asked me if I'm going to use that in the video. And I said, well, you know, right now it's debunked. And I had a long talk with him and explained to him the way I do this, everything's debunked. You know, it's nothing's paranormal. It's not paranormal related until I can prove that it is. And once I view all the video, once I check out all the cameras and, you know, figure out what that was, if it's unexplainable, if there's no answer to what caused that house to shake, no earthquakes took place, then more than likely it was paranormal related. Well, he took my message and said, well, you know, he said it was debunked and now he's using evidence that he already said it was debunked, but you know, no, that's, I never even viewed the video yet. Does so, it, well, Kent, does it bother you when people throw you shade like that or you just march on? No, no. I mean, I just march on because number one, I know this is real. I mean, you know, when I post these videos, that's for people to learn. I'm not posting them, you know, because I want to be some great paranormal investigator or have a big YouTube channel. Like I said, I don't even ask people to subscribe. I don't even push Ghost of Carmel Me. That's just there for people to view. If they don't think it's real, fine. You know what? Don't watch it. But many people have come to this house and are witnesses to how real this is. But what I don't like is when somebody purposely doctors things and add things to it to try to make me look like I'm a liar. And, and that I don't like. And somebody showed the, the spirit that's talking about that jumped out the window. They showed that on their YouTube channel and they don't even, they're not even paranormal. It's some gamer 
that did that video and said, look, there's strings attached to it. Well, sure enough, when he showed that video, it looked like there's strings attached to it. And when I examined his video closer, he added those in. He doctored the video. And I messaged him and said, look, I got the original footage. That, that, there's no strings attached to that. And I don't appreciate you doctoring my material. Call me a liar. Right. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's incredible the links people go to to try to debunk another person's footage when they don't do anything themselves in the way of research this. They spend all their time, uh, you know, I've met these people, and uh, yeah. that's, how, that's how they get subscribers is just by poking holes in other people's theories or footage and whatnot. But I'm telling you, I mean, my audience is savvy. They know bullshit when they hear it. You're not giving off yeah. an ounce of it. Neither is your channel, and I will promote the hell out of it. Uh, let's put it now, the, the ghost of Carmel, Maine. I urge anybody who uh, has wandered into this episode to check it out. Um, you know, you could be a year down the road from when we actually interviewed Kent, but now you're listening to it. Maybe Kent uh, has since moved out of the house and moved on to, uh, you know, other territory. But is there any chance of that, Kent? Are you staying put? I'm uh, actually in the process of buying the house. Oh, so you're okay. Now this is interesting. After everything you've described, you're not leaning towards leaving. Would do you, do you wonder about that? Well, I'm gonna investigate this house, searching for answers as long as it takes. But I want to buy the house, and the reason why I want to do that, even if I no longer live in it, I'm gonna preserve it, and you know, pretty much set it up where nobody lives in it as long as I own it. Okay. Um, are, you, people, are, you, are you toying with the yeah. idea of using the house uh, to have other people experience it? If they want to come and learn something, if they want to come and study this, they're more than welcome. And I have an open door policy right now. Well, not right now because of the coronavirus, but I have an open door policy. Anybody is welcome to come investigate this for themselves. And a lot of people have come to the house. I mean, a lot of people is not even in the videos. And every one of them has definitely said, no doubt, there's some powerful activity in here. And not one person left without experiencing something. Right. But they can't. I mean, you don't allow people to stay at your house. They can just come. For no, a no. Okay, gotcha. All right. Yep. So you don't you don't rent it out like a air boo and boo. <laughs> you don't know. No. Okay, gotcha. <laughs> no, it's and let me tell you something about this too. And I just want to make this clear. Like I said, these spirits know people's intentions. And I can't make these investigations about money. And that's why my YouTube channel is not monetized. That's why I don't have a patron account. In fact, you know, people can buy Ghost of Carmel Main shirts, but that money, somebody else handles the merchandise, and that's, that money is donated to charity. You know, and, you know, the reason why I have that set up that way is because if I make this about money, these spirits are going to know that. You know, they're going to know that, well, he's just trying to make money off of this, and I can guarantee you they won't like that. Right. Well, you bring up a good point with uh, knowing your intention. I mean, it's very difficult. We, we talk a little bit about this and 
um, one of our stories that we promote on here is a place called the Al Moon Lab, where they seem to be reading your intention constantly, and they know that ego somehow uh, is a big part of this journey there. Have you ever struggled with your ego getting involved with this? No. No, you know what? The reason why is because what goes on behind the scenes, trust me, it knocks me down and keeps me humble. Yeah, yeah. Well, and people can see uh, exactly what he's talking about. Um, again, the show is The Ghost of Carmel, Maine. Kent is staying put. And um, it's been a real pleasure talking to you. You got anything coming up this year that people know about? I know coronavirus uh, has, you know, put a lot of things on hold. Well, let me ask you this. The, the last question here, Kent, has, has being in quarantine changed the activity for you? No, no, hasn't changed anything. Um, a lot of people ask me, what do the spirits say about the coronavirus? Oh, they say nothing about it. And I don't even ask them about it. I don't, I don't talk to them about it. And well, why not? I mean, well, because it's not relevant to them. Well, you know, and I've learned that when you're trying to communicate with these spirits, if you're going to ask questions that's not relevant to them, they're not really going to respond. And see, that's another thing where I said the don'ts. When I've watched other people do investigations, they're asking questions that's, that aren't relevant to a spirit in the realm they're in, such as, uh, can you tell me what year it is? Well, the year to them is not relevant because they know no time, if that makes any sense. Right, right, right. And when it, I mean, going back to the coronavirus, what I meant was you're in quarantine uh, with them more often now, I assume, in the house with them, have you experienced more activity while you're in there? No, it hasn't changed no, at all. It's the same. Changed. No. Same. Nope. And I'm pretty much retired. So I'm here at the house all the time anyway. So the coronavirus doesn't have any effect on me because I'm here day in and day out anyway. Right. Again, the ghost of Carmel, Maine. My guest today, Kent Burris. Thanks again for joining me, Kent. And uh, hey, I'll check in with you at the end of the year and uh, maybe we can do part two. Okay, sounds good. All right, man. Thanks again for providing time for us. Oh, no problem. All right, thanks, Kent, man. That was good. Yep. Yeah, yeah. Ama amazing. Yeah, I'm sorry, I get the... No, there's a, there's a little bit of lag here, and we're fighting the sound of, uh, uh, it sounds like a diesel truck going by. Yeah, I had to go out on the porch, you know, okay. losing reception. So did anything, uh, you got your headphones pulled on, and you maybe heard a name. Was there anything else that happened that you didn't mention? Uh, well, I heard some banging upstairs in the bedroom. Um, you know, I couldn't identify what it was. I know it wasn't the cats, because they're not allowed in the bedroom. Right. Um, I definitely heard a couple disembodied voices. I'm not sure what they said because it sounded muffled because my earphones were on. Um, well, I just walked up the steps and there was a loud bang behind me on the steps just now. So, yeah, heard, you know, I, it's, I heard that. I think I heard yeah. that. <laughs> yeah. What about uh, apportations? Do you ever have apportations there, man, as far as like objects appearing out of nowhere? No. Uh -uh. Nothing like that. No ectoplasm. <laughs> Nope. Okay. <clears throat> um, no, nothing like that. Uh, I think 
most of the stuff, the number one thing that happens in this house are the disembodied voices and EVPs. Two is the strange movement sounds. And when I say movement sounds, I'm talking, not, I'm not talking about tapping. I'm talking about strange sounds that can't be explained. And I think three would be the strange anomalies that you see, such as balls of light, uh, sparks, um, well, movement. Tell, wait, tell me about the sparks. Well, there's, you know what? Before I knew this was all paranormal, I had to go to my doctor and say, look, uh, there's something wrong with my eyes because I'm laying in bed at night. I'm seeing all these sparks. And when I'm going through the house, I see these like flashes of light. And he was kind of concerned about that, obviously, because that's a sign of a brain tumor. And they ran some tests and he said, well, there's nothing wrong with you. Maybe you should see an optometrist and see if you've got some pressure on your eyes that's causing that. And he goes, well, does it happen more frequently? You know, is your house light or dark? I said, well, it's kind of dark in there. And he goes, well, did you see it here in this room? I go, no. And he goes, so when you're out in the light, you don't see it. I go, no. And then I started thinking about it. I'm like, well, I don't see it anywhere outside of the house. And I'm like, well, that's strange. And yeah, that's the only place I see it is inside the house, nowhere else. So, <laughs> like, you know, that's when I knew, like, okay, there's something strange definitely going on in that house. And right. Are the sparks a certain color? They're, it's, it's hard to explain. It's like sometimes they're red, like, like a red you can't even explain, like a deep, deep but bright burgundy. Mm -hmm. Sometimes they're a blue, like a blue flash that, you know, it's such a beautiful color that it's, I can't even explain what kind of blue I have nothing to, mm -hmm. I can put, give a reference to. Um, that's why I thought there's something wrong with my eyes or my brain. Right. But then there's mists. You see these mists move. Well, I thought I had was developing cataracts and you know, my dad had cataracts. I'm like, like, well, maybe I inherited cataracts. I do have high blood pressure. But yet, you know, once again, it wasn't cataracts. It was actual mist that I saw moving in the house. Um, dark flashes that you see out of the corner of your eye, you'll see uh, like a full body, like something tall standing there, just flash all of a sudden. You look really fast mm -hmm. and like, okay, what was that? You know, it's, just all kinds of stuff that can't be explained. You know, it, you know, people's what about come being to the house. Have, have you ever been harmed at all, Kent? Nope. Never. Nope. Never. Been never. Scratched, never been touched. Nope. Well, you oh, have been touched. touched. Yeah. 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 But never harmed. Yeah. Yeah. yeah I get touched. Uh, one time at Mount Hope Cemetery, I got slapped. That was, but I don't believe that was an attack. I believe that this female spirit was desperate to get my attention and I got smacked in the face and I ended up having this really weird whelp on my face from that. Mm -hmm. And during that investigation, she was apologizing and she admitted she slapped me and she was asking for help, you know? So I don't think that was a malicious attack, right. but there again, that's why when it comes down to these dark entities, I leave them alone. That's yeah. one of the main reasons why I leave them alone, because I do not want to open up doorways mm -hmm. 
you know, of getting attacked or it gets, it starts going a direction that I'm going to regret because I have to live in this house. But I said stuff that goes on behind the scenes that keeps me humble. And that's the oppression you go through doing these investigations. You go through a lot of oppression where it's more like emotional, mental attacks. Yeah. 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 And I mean, has it got to the point where it got too much and you thought about quitting? there's times that I've had to back off an investigation because the oppression was so bad, not suicidal, but just this dark, dark feeling of impending doom. You know, I mean, it's just so dark that there's times that I actually can, it almost like I feel what a spirit's feeling when they died and what they went through. It's hard to explain. I'm not psychic. I'm not a medium. I have no gifts. But when you get into the presence of these spirits, it's almost like you kind of touch into their realm and you can actually feel what they're feeling. So you haven't felt over the last, uh, well, it's been over, over six or seven years, maybe eight years since you moved in there. You said 2012, so we're getting close to eight years. Since you've moved in there, you haven't felt as though things have changed for you psychically or you, you don't feel like you're tapping into something that's building up to a gift or clairvoyancy or any kind of uh, psychic ability? Mm, I don't think so. I think that these spirits know, have gotten to know me, mm-hmm. and they know who I am, and they know my intentions, and they're willing to talk. Because, you know, other people come into this house, and they hear the disembodied voices, they capture the EVPs, they're touched, they go through the same experiences I go through, you know, but they will communicate with me a lot more than they would a stranger, because I've done these tests many times while they're in the bedroom, I walk out of the room, they go, where's Kent? Where did Kent go? Tell them to come back. I mean, they're telling everybody standing in the room that they want me back. It's kind of cute, but what about hiding stuff? Do they ever hide stuff from you? Yeah, we out one of my most favorite shirts that was a black dress shirt my wife got me uh, disappeared and I never saw it again. And <laughs> it's like, where are all my socks going? <laughs> right. You know, I know dang well, or I'm like set something down in the garage, I'm working on something, and I go reach to pick it up and it's gone and I never find it again. Yeah, yeah. Or, you know, they do noxious things. Like, I'll set something on the counter, turn around, walk away, and it ends up on the floor. You know, I turn the light switch off, and I walk away, and it turns back on. In fact, one guy, you know, this Michael guy, the first time he came to the house as a visitor, I shut the kitchen light off. Both of us are walking. He's behind me, and he's walking away, and the light hears a click noise, and the light came right back on. Well, he spun around. He started playing with the switch. He goes, that, that's not possible. I said, yeah, they do that. But they're, they're acting all freaked yeah. out, but it's something that I'm used to, you know? Yeah. I'm like, yeah, that's not uncommon. Yeah. You know, I've been down in the basement, and they shut the light off on me. I'm like, well, you guys are real funny. Well, I'm not kidding, Kent, when it comes to, I mean, I, we've con- I've consumed this since I was, you know, since the mid-70s, and I've seen all sorts of footage and now you have access to see a lot and uh you know my girlfriend as well i mean we live in a sort of a haunted house here in uh, washington it's got a lot more than just hauntings but um your stuff man is so good and i can't wait for people to find out about it. i mean i know you have people finding out about it but 
it's just one of those shots, the three in particular, uh, the old man, the guy on the bed, and then the, the thing swooping down to the, I presume, blood stain. Um, yeah, it's just amazing stuff. It's been a real pleasure to be able to get this out of my system and talk to you. And um, yeah. I will send you a link uh, to the podcast when I put it out. And uh, okay. appreciate your time, man. There's one more thing I'd like to say. Yeah. You know, this stuff never gets old it's always amazing you know i mean it's just when you when you do an investigation and you listen to what these spirits say you know what to me what these spirits say is a lot more amazing than capturing an apparition oh yeah well yeah i mean you you're using a uh, a spirit box too that sweeps across the fm channel correct yes okay and that's really annoying for me to listen to i mean i my I, I can't get used to it like whatever's going on i just for me it's too tough to use one is that as someone who uses one all the time was it hard for you to work with one in the beginning well yeah because i was using it wrong okay. and you're you know the the proper way of using a spirit box is you have to turn it on the fastest rotation which is 100 milliseconds for the psv7 and you got to have a speaker plugged into it, and you got to have a certain volume level. And the reason why is because, you know, people think, well, the voices are actually coming through the radio. No, it's not. What that's doing is the sound wave energy is amplifying the EVPs that are already there. Okay. Let me, let me give you – here's a toy that we use. Okay, this came to me when I was working a ranch in Cottage Grove. And it came by way of a guy named Henry Franzoni, uh, who's a, a scientist on a Native American reservation. And he said, you know, if you want to catch more of what you're trying to catch is you need to look through the layers. And if you don't have a spirit box, make sure you do this. So we said, well, what do we do? And he goes, well, you need to layer tape your recording. So when you record audio, make sure you're recording video of the audio and maybe even take an audio and record the audio, the video recording. So you basically build layers between the spirit world and then in between those layers there, they'll communicate. Now it takes more reviewing. It's not immediate, but you don't have any of the static and what you catch, what your, you know, your ears aren't going to catch this stuff. A lot of it, um, you're yeah. going to catch it filming, but you won't catch it on your digital recorder, which is amazing because you're time stamping everything and say, okay, I'm recording at eight o'clock at night. At 8.04, I hear, you know, Miss Jones say, you know, some ghosts say the word Mrs. Jones is here or whatever. And then you know mm -hmm. that you've caught it on video. So whatever is happening on the video recorder isn't happening on the digital recorder. It's utilizing, you know, something different. But I just couldn't take the sound of static whisping. So that's, that's yeah. what we leaned on and, um, you know. Lately, lately, I've been cutting back on the spirit box. And the reason why... I don't have to use it as much as I used to because now I have um, the I can digitally enhance the audio. I mean, I can, I that you know, it's not any type of apps or programs. It's mechanical devices that I run the recordings through, and it highly. I mean, you can hear a pin drop and wow. across the room, and it can make it sound like that pin landed right in front of your microphone. So now I'm able to digitally enhance the audio. But this is what's kind of strange that I've learned doing these investigations. 
when you do an investigation, you have to slow your audio down to like 50 to 75% because a lot of these spirits move so fast. They're not in our time realm. They're not in our linear time realm that they talk so fast that what sounded like a strange sound to you in real time was actually a spirit talking. Wow. So what are you using to uh, download your audio to and extract sounds? Do you go to, you have a go-to program? Nope. I got, I use nothing. I got a, 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 let's see, what's this brand name here? Hold on a second. The brand name's not on it. It's um, okay. it's a digi- digital recorder from that's from Amazon. It was like thirty five dollars, and you put an SD card in it. Okay. And there's a microphone port. So what I do is I put the out from my camera yeah. into the microphone port in my this digital recorder, and I record it onto the SD card to audio. Okay. And then I take that audio and I download it onto my windows uh movie uh vlc uh windows yeah 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 that's the best there yeah yeah and so then i can adjust it to get the right frequency to clarify what the spirit's saying i can slow it down and then i can save that audio and then i can you know use that audio for the you know to put in the video and that's how i digitally enhance it but i don't use any programs i don't there's no apps or nothing it's just mechanically done yeah, and you are getting incredible stuff the way you're doing it, so don't change a thing. No, yeah, and the key is to slow it down because I found that 90% of these spirits speak so fast that if you don't slow it down, you're not going to hear it. And right. my next video coming up this weekend, there's a good example. It's, um, it's uh, hold on, let me take these headphones off. I'm starting. <laughs> there you go. Ears. Yeah. Um, it at Mount Hope Cemetery, I do an investigation there. I'm at a crypt. And when I was doing that investigation, I heard a bang sound inside the crypt. And I'm like, whoa. I mean, that gave me the creeps, but it didn't sound normal. It didn't sound right to me. I'm like, okay, I've heard bangs before, but that bang did not sound normal. It sounded muffled, but it sounded like somebody did a bang noise from their mouth, if that makes any sense. So I slowed it down. You know, 75%, it still sounded like a bang noise. So I slowed it down another 75%, so 150%. It was no longer a bang noise, but it was the voice of a male saying spirit. See, this and is really the other- interesting because... These bangs, these pops, these click, these tap sounds, they're, I, I don't yeah. feel like that's what they are at all. I feel like it's, oh. a, at first I thought maybe it was just energy passing through matter, like the sound of plastic popping, the sound of metal popping or banging. I thought, okay, yeah. are these just orbs or light transferring through matter and we're hearing like a sonic boom, you know, on a spirit level. But right. what you're saying makes, uh, I mean, it's an interesting theory. Well, I'm also pointing out in the video for people that watch other paranormal investigators, you know, by saying, did you hear that? What was that noise? Because you hear that all the time. They say, what was that sound? What was that noise? You know, and people like, no, it's just a tap. You know, you're an idiot. You're just kind of pointing out. No, because in real time, when the paranormal investigators there, you may hear some tap or something that's on the recording, but in real time, it does not sound normal. You know, but when you slow that down, once you enhance that, 
the audio, digitally enhance it, slow it down. It just blows your mind what you actually captured. That was not a tap. And that little whistle sound was not a whistle sound. Or that little static sound was not a static sound. That was a spirit talking. Wow. What about that? Now you got me asking questions here. So it's, uh, what time is it there right now? It's almost eight o'clock at night. Mm -hmm. Is there a popular moment in the evening per se, Kent, where things get more busy? Do they have a witching hour? <laughs> um, they, no, not really. But Friday nights seems to be, Friday seems to be more active than any other day I've noticed here. What about on a full moon? We got one of those coming up. Anything with a full moon? I've moons? done investigations on that that had no effect on it. Uh, people say do it at three o'clock in the morning. Actually, I captured hardly nothing at three o'clock in the morning. I mean, it's like they're quiet. Wow. Um, you know, the full moon, no moon, it doesn't phase us one way or the other. I mean, it's still the same. What about any photographs or videos, Kent, of something that looks like uh, a portal opening up, like the photograph is swirling? Like there, it's nothing but uh, like a hurricane in the middle of a photograph where it's like a spinning vortex. And have you ever seen anything like that? I saw a strange orb spinning like a vortex once and captured that. Mm -hmm. um, but I'm really, really careful now what I claim to be orbs because I have found that a lot of that's just dust particles. And, right. and when I've have a light on i look closely and i see a small piece of dust going right in front of the camera and sure enough it looks like an orb right so but i do know orbs do exist they're real but they're a lot different looking than a dust particle in fact it's not available on youtube because i took it down because there's a certain person that did investigations with me that i'd removed a lot of the videos that he was in because of issues but anyway i'm doing this investigation and this orb hits my hand and in that same moment, you know, the camera captured that. But in that same moment, I raised my hand up and I said, did somebody touch my hand? Right after that orb touched my hand. Oh, wow. You know, so orbs do exist. They're real. Or I'm sitting there doing a recording and I see it's an orb right in front of my face. And I'm like, whoa, you know, and I saw it and the camera also captured it. So orbs do exist. I mean, they're not all dust or bugs. What about orbs going in the back of people's necks? Have you ever noticed that they seem to be heading above the shoulders to the back of the neck? No, I've seen a, just the opposite where it comes out from behind them. Okay, so it's coming out of that area though, above the yeah. shoulders? Yep, from okay. the back of the head on, and yeah. it shoots upward. Because there's something about the back of the neck near your top of your C-spine between your vertebrae of your cranial area called the atlas and the uh, C-spine yeah. where there's, you know, old legends about protecting that area with, uh, you know, olive oil or salt or that seems to be a spirit connection. Well, that's a lot of your center point of all your nerves that have a lot of electricity going through your spine too. Right. I mean, in your neck area, you break your neck and sever that, you're paralyzed from the neck down. I mean, you severed that wiring system to the rest yeah. of your body. You know, your neck controls everything from your neck down, everything. And there's a lot of, you know, not powerful voltage, but a lot of electricity through that area. Right. Now, is there but somebody in the back? Is there somebody else in the room with you? 
Yeah, my wife okay, just okay. got home. All right. I heard something in the background. I was going to let you know. <laughs> yeah, but just well, talk. hey, tell your wife thank you for your time. I'm going to let you go, man. And um, I'm going to go make some dinner for my girlfriend. And uh, I, I guess you and I are going to probably go play with our own haunted house tonight. And <laughs> we'll see what we got. <laughs> oh, one, one other thing I want to mention to you before you go. Yeah. Is that I'm beginning to learn vibrations will also set off a K2 meter and an EMF meter just as much as, um, you know, the magnetic field, you know, okay. and I did a test on that and did find vibrations will set off a K2 meter and an EMF meter. In fact, the vibrations will set that off more than, than electricity will. And, and the reason why that's important to understand is because a lot of these EVPs and a lot of these disembodied voices is vibration. And that's why a spirit box works pretty good because you're shooting vibrating uh, sound waves for them to use that. It's not electrical energy they need. It's vibration, vibrating energy. Okay. I didn't know that. I know I, a lot of people don't talk about their cell phone setting them off, but that absolutely does. And they don't oh, have yeah. to be that close at all. I mean, you can be five feet away and have your emf uh spike so yeah people don't yeah. really promote that on any of these ghost shows and i think a lot of time they just got their phone in their pocket yeah and you know what it's not it's not that in my opinion it's not spirits that makes them go off it's something else that makes them go off that the spirits use right don't know if that makes any sense at all i don't believe a spirit will set your emf meter off but there's something there some type of form of energy that'll set that off and the spirit uses that energy that's there that's why the lamb house has a constant flow of energy it never goes away the k2 meter and the emf meter constantly goes off here it never shuts off hey did you ever look into the case of elisa lamb no Okay, I'll send you a link to that. Uh, the The name Lamb has a haunting history to it. And of course, you're in the Lamb house where Edmund, Edward yeah. Lamb is. Uh, Elisa Lamb uh, disappeared back in the 90s, and she disappeared under really interesting, bizarre circumstances. And um, there, let's just say that there's a red stain involved with her disappearance, which two interesting things that you've talked about the red stain and the name lamb i'll send you the case yeah. on her uh her name's okay. lisa lamb and pretty interesting maybe she's a relative i don't know but uh the spirit world like you said has no appreciation for time although they seem to be obsessed with the past but um yeah, yeah so cool man well have a good evening we'll talk soon and i'll send you a link okay i appreciate it all right bye Kent Burris, the ghost of Carmel, Maine. Check out his footage. Check out his channel. Check out his work, especially the Shadow Dude compilation. He spoke of such. Now I'm telling you, go check out the Ghost of Carmel, Maine, and the Shadow Dude compilation. The Shadow Man footage is, I mean, it's just so damn interesting, so damn weird. And it's just him and his camera phone, the likes of which you could not possibly go in unless you had some really cool aftermarket. And, I mean, you could sense, listening to the guy, this is all earnest ghost-catching stuff going on. And maybe you have some other suggestions about how this was 
not, I don't want to use the word pulled off because I believe Kent. But uh, if you don't and you have other suggestions, get in touch with me. Check it out. You know, there needs to be more debunking going on. And regarding debunking, I debunked myself. Why would I do that? Well, like I said, I need, there needs to be more of it. Uh, recently, I posted a picture of what looked like a portal in development in the forest. It was uh, it kind of looked like, um, you know, looking down the barrel of a gun or the rings of a circling, you know, a whirlpool. And it was in the middle of the forest. We couldn't figure out how it was done. I had Alex work on it, who's kind of a photo uh, dude. And um, anyway, I debunked it myself. Uh, simply what I did was flick my wrist really hard to the right and squeeze the shutter. Now, it didn't do it every time, but it did it. And it repeated it enough to the point where I say case closed, case debunked. Now, anybody else who has these photos, I'm not saying your photos needs to be debunked, but I'm just saying in the case of the photo I released, I debunked my own stuff. So um, I was actually pretty pleased that I was able to figure it out. Um, and so I think we're going to talk more about debunking as a special show. In fact, I know Alex and I are going to dedicate some time in the next Ales and Tales about classic debunking and what we've done over our own work and maybe suggest that you do the same with some of yours and see where you come out with it because we all have those things that happen with our you know electronics uh, in particular or moments that seem extra unique and not everything is unfortunately and um, you know we can't be so oversensitive that uh, we have uh, people suggest this may be the answer rather than that. So um, it made me want to go back and, and take an extra hard look at some of the, especially the videos and photos and sounds. But sounds I have at the Al Moon Lab, a shared paranormal experiment, are pretty inexplicable. And I stand by them 100%. And again, if you want to get a hold of the book, uh, every little download helps. Go check it out at patreon.com forward slash strange brow radio for three bucks. You can download it. It's all yours. Or if you want a free sample, go check it out at strangebrowradio.com and you can download. I think it's like a four minute sample on there. So that's where you can find out more information about that. Okay. Thanks everybody for taking a listen. You can, uh, of course, help out the show by sharing, liking, subscribing, and getting the word out there. Every Monday, this is where we do it. Your favorite digital device, Strange Brow Radio. I am again your host, Tobe Johnson. Thanks for listening, and I will see you in the trees. <laughs>